this morning we're going to continue our series entitled Bless, uh, and we've been answering the question over the last few weeks, if you look at that first point on the slide, we've been answering the question, what does it mean to have a mission mindset, and what does that really look like, or how does that really apply to our lives as Christians? And so we just gave you a very simple definition of what a mission is, right? We said a mission is simply an assignment. And we said that our mission here at Liberty Church is connected to our vision. Our vision is to reach out and raise up, right? We want to reach out into a broken, hurting world, and we want to raise people up into their full potential in Christ. Well, Pastor Keith, you've been saying that every week for the last three weeks. Wonderful. I hope you know it. Right? Our vision is what? To reach out into a broken, hurting world and what? Raise people up into their full potential in Christ, reaching out and raising up. And, and our mission is how we're going to fulfill that vision. And we have set our mission statement here at Liberty Church based on what we believe to be the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And that is to win souls, make disciples, and destroy the works of the devil. Everything that Jesus did was connected to one of those three areas or arenas of bringing people into a personal relationship with God. And so our mission as a church is to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. And when you have a mission, you have an assignment. And then out of every assignment or every mission, there is a goal, right? And we said the foundational goal of our mission is to connect people to the God that created them, the God that loves them, and the God that sent his son Jesus to die for them. So our goal is to connect people to God through a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And that's our goal. And we said every mission not only has a goal, every mission has a deadline. And we said our deadline is today, right? Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time, right? Today is the day. We said every day is somebody's last day, so every day should be our day of opportunity to do something to help somebody connect to Christ. And we said we can't do everything and we can't reach everybody, but we can do something and we can reach somebody every day. And I want to encourage you in this. One of the things that happens many times in our lives, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the mundane of life? Go to work, come home, go to work, come home, go to work, come home, pay the bills, take care of the kids, wash the dishes, mow the yard, all those crazy things that we just do over and over and over and over again. And sometimes life gets very monotonous and sometimes very boring because we're just doing the same thing and I'm just living to work and working to live and all these things. The reality is really this. When you and I adapt a mission mindset, it changes everything. What would happen if every day you got up with not the goal of going to work and paying the bills? You still got to do that, by the way. <laughs> but what if you got up every day recognizing that going to work and paying the bills was actually an opportunity for you to connect people who are disconnected from God? What if you begin to look at your life with a mission mindset that says everything that I'm going to do today is an opportunity for me to connect people that are disconnected from God to connect them to God so they can know Him as their Lord and Savior. And my job and my family and my business and my work and my routine and my habits and all these things that I have to do every day are really opportunities every day that I get to be mission-minded in connecting people that are disconnected from God. You know what I found out in my life? I found out that when I live with a mission mindset, it changes everything that I do. And all of a sudden, the mundane, boring things of life all of a sudden have an element of life and purpose and vision to them that energize and excite me about getting up and facing my day. Amen? So we have a deadline today 
is the day. We have a team. And we talked about how that we're on the same team. We are the body of Christ, and we are working together, and we are working with God, amen, to see people that are disconnected become connected to the God that created them, the God that loves them, the God that sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for them. And when we begin to work with God, it is amazing, right? God puts his super on our natural and supernatural things begin to happen as we begin to work with God in the things that matter most to Him. And that is to see people that don't know Him come to know Him in a personal way. Amen? And so we said we have a goal, we have a deadline, we have a team, and then we said last but not least we have a strategy. Look at that next point on the outline. And we said our strategy is really simple, right? It's God's strategy since the beginning of time. We are going to bless our world with Jesus. What's our strategy? We're going to bless our world with Jesus. Why? Because we are blessed to be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3 says, And the Lord God said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. And so God's strategy since the genesis of time is God says, I want to bless the world by blessing people. And God says, I'm going to bless you and you are going to be a blessing. And we've identified and clarified that if you're here today and you're a Christian, you know without a shadow of a doubt the greatest blessing you've ever received is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. When you met Jesus, Jesus changed everything. Amen? And it is that relationship with God through Christ that has changed your life. And so the greatest blessing we've ever received is the greatest blessing we can ever give, which is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So God has blessed you not to be blessed, but God has blessed you so that you can be a blessing. When you think about your life for just a minute, think about the greatest joys in your life have come from times, not when somebody else blessed you, but when you blessed somebody else. I have a lot of people, we're a church that helps people, by the way, I don't know if you know that, but we help a lot of people, and we love helping people. And every now and then I'll have somebody come to me and they'll say, Pastor Keith, I really hate to ask for help. And let's be honest, most of us really do, right? Most of us really hate to ask for help. But you know what most of us love to do? Don't you feel good? Don't you feel alive? Don't you feel excited when you actually get to help somebody? Right? It's amazing how much joy, how much excitement, how much enthusiasm. It's amazing how you feel good about yourself and about your life when you actually become the kind of person that helps people instead of the person that always needs help. Now, we all need help at times, amen, and we all need God all the time. But God created us, God blessed us to be a blessing. And when we begin to move into that mission mindset that I'm blessed to be a blessing, I'm blessed to be a blessing, I'm blessed to be a blessing, all of a sudden I start finding that joy and satisfaction and contentment that only comes from fulfilling the mission that God has for me, and that is to be a blessing to other people. So we said we're going to bless people. Here's how we're going to do it. We said five ways. We took the word bless, made an acronym out of it, right? We're going to begin with prayer. We're going to begin with prayer. We're going to listen with care. We're going to eat together. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to, we're going to serve with love, 
and we're going to share our story. Five ways we're going to bless the world. Amen? We're going to bless the world by doing those five things. So last week we talked about begin with prayer, and we can just look at that real quick. So we said we're going to begin with prayer, and we said there's three things we're going to specifically pray, right? And I challenge you to ask God to show you three people. I hope you've got three people or two people or one person, and if you don't have anybody, keep praying until God shows you somebody. God, show me somebody that's disconnected from you. Show me somebody in my circle of influence that's disconnected from you that I can help to reconnect or to connect to you, God, in a very personal way. And I share with you guys kind of my three people that are in my life that God's been working with me and working through me on. And so we said we're going to pray three prayers for three people. We're going to pray, number one, for the drawing and conviction of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray, number two, that God would open their eyes to truth. We're going to pray, number three, that they would believe and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And let me just tell you what's happened to me just this week. As I have been practicing what I've been preaching, every day I've been praying for my three people, and I've been praying three prayers for three people every day. Let me tell you what has happened. I have felt the pleasure and the presence of God as I have prayed. It's been amazing. It has been amazing how refreshing it has been in my own heart as I have pressed in through prayer to intercede on behalf of these three people and to pray specifically for the drawing and the conviction, for the opening of their eyes, and for a heart that believes and accepts Jesus. Now, I've prayed some other things, but those have been the three specific things that I have prayed every day for my three people. And what I really wasn't expecting, I wasn't really expecting the refreshing that I have felt this week as I have prayed for them. And not only have I sensed the presence and the pleasure of the Lord, there has been a new confidence released in my heart because I know that if I ask anything according to His will, He hears me. And if He hears me, I know I'm going to have the petitions that I've asked of Him. That's what the Word of God says. And how many of you know it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? God's will is that people be saved. God's will is that people be discipled. God's will is that people be set free. And when we start praying the will of God over the people of God that are disconnected from God, all of a sudden we experience the pleasure of the Lord and the confidence and contentment that comes from Christ as a result of interceding and agreeing and working together with God. So we're going to pray. We're going to begin with prayer. L, we're going to listen with care. We're going to listen with care. And we said two things happen when we listen with care. The first one is that we begin to hear their heart. And we said we're not listening for their words. We want to hear their heart. And when you begin to hear their heart, we said you begin to see their soul in a whole different light because you begin to hear their hurt and you begin to hear their pain and you begin to hear their struggles and their disappointments. And you begin to hear the heart. And then as you continue to listen, not only will you hear their heart, but you'll hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit as he begins to reveal to me and you the key that unlocks their heart, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will start showing you as you listen. You hear their heart and then you hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit and he'll start showing you how to minister to them. He'll start showing you how to pray for them. He'll start showing you how to serve them. He'll start showing you how to share your story of faith with them. And all of a sudden he'll begin to show you the key that unlocks their heart. And amazing things will begin to happen. So we're praying for three. We're listening to those three people as we connect with them, as we commune with them, and we're listening for their heart 
and we're listening for the Holy Spirit to reveal the key that unlocks their heart. The third thing we're going to talk about today, all the men in the church should love this, we're going to eat together. Right? That was a weak amen. Come on, guys. We're going to eat together. That was really still kind of weak. We're going to eat together. Amen. Right? We're going to eat together. Isn't that a good thing? Aren't you glad this is in the Bible? Right? We're going to eat together. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 24. I want you to see this. Great story. Luke 24, verse 13, it is the first Easter morning. Jesus has just resurrected from the dead, and we are now kind of jumping into the story. It says, and that same day, the same day Jesus was resurrected, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces, and then one of them, Cleophas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And we had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. And this all happened three days ago. And then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb, his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told, told them that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. And then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scripture? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have suffered all these things before entering his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. Look at verse 30. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Look at that next point on your outline. I want you to see this. This is an amazing story. Jesus walked with them. Jesus taught, talked to them. And Jesus even taught them from the Scriptures. This was a seven-mile journey. And Jesus, for seven miles, is walking, talking, and teaching them from the Scriptures about himself. But the Bible says that the moment that they sat down to eat together, and Jesus broke the bread and blessed it, their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus. They walked with him. They talked with him. They heard him teach. But the moment they sat down to eat together, their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus. I want you to see this next point. Look at it. There is something powerful about eating together. Food connects us. Now, I don't think there's anything powerful or magical about the food, but I think there's something powerful and spiritual 
about us eating together. I thought it was interesting as I read that story this week that they were walking with him, talking with him, and he was teaching them. And I understand the scripture says God did not reveal Jesus to them. But when he broke bread with them, when they gathered around the table, there was, some, there was something so familiar. Hear me. There was something so familiar about breaking bread with Jesus that when he broke the bread and he blessed it and they began to eat together, suddenly their eyes were opened. And what we're going to see today is there is something powerful that happens when we begin to eat together. When we gather around the table, food connects us, not just in a natural, but we're going to see in a very spiritual way. So look at this next point on your outline. So food connects us, and I'm going to give us four ways today. So this is our apparently our acronym sermon series. So we're using the word bless. So today we're going to give you the word food, okay? All the men said amen, right? Food. Let's talk about food today. Let's talk about four ways food connects us. Look at the letter F, through fellowship. Eating together builds a mutual trust and a friendship. Eating together builds a mutual trust and a friendship. When we eat together, there is fellowship. And all of a sudden, we start fellowshipping together. And all of a sudden, we start cultivating relationships together. We've talked about it so many times here at church. You can come to church with somebody for years and never know them. But you can go eat one meal with them. And all of a sudden, you have connected at a deeper level over one meal than you did in years of worshiping together. Why? Because when you gather around the table, it automatically produces this thing called fellowship. And all of a sudden, we start fellowshipping together. We start building a mutual trust. Think about it. If our goal is not to convert people, but our goal is to connect people to a personal relationship with God through Jesus, then if we're going to connect people relationally to God, then we actually have to connect with people relationally on earth. If we're going to connect people relationally to God, then we actually have to connect with people relationally on earth. And nothing seems to do that better than gathering around the table. Right? When we begin to eat together, all of a sudden, there is a level of fellowship and friendship that begins to happen. And we begin to connect with one another, and we begin to build a mutual trust. Think about it. Our goal is to begin to influence people for Christ that are disconnected from Christ. We want to connect them to God because they are disconnected from God. We understand in this room today, people that you don't trust can't influence you. Think about that. People that you don't trust can't influence you. If you don't trust them, you don't listen to them. If you don't trust them, you don't follow them. If you don't trust them, you don't do business with them. If you don't trust them, you don't hang out with them. If you don't trust them, nothing happens. Why? Because I can't trust that person. So how in the world are we going to influence people to a relationship with God when we don't have a relationship with the people so they can trust us that what we're saying and living and sharing is genuine and real? And so what happens when we gather around the table is food connects us because food creates fellowship. And we begin to build a mutual trust and we begin to build a relationship together and a friendship with that other person. Think about it like this. The people you trust the most 
are the people you eat with the most. Think about who you eat with the most. You eat with your family and your friends. Now think about who do you trust the most. You trust the people you eat with who are your family and your friends. Now we understand you don't trust all your family members. <laughs> There's some family we don't trust. And you don't trust all your friends that are acquaintances at work, but you know who you do trust? You trust the people you eat with. You eat with your family, and it's that close family that you trust. Well, well, Keith, the reason I trust them is because they're not my family. No, the reason you trust them is because you have invested time to build mutual trust and relationship so that you can walk away from the table and say, I can trust him. And so why is food so important? Because food creates fellowship. And if our goal is to connect people that are disconnected, we've got to build a relationship and cultivate a level of trust that they can have confidence that what we're telling them and sharing with them is true. And so that happens when we gather around the table. The second letter, fellowship, the second letter O is openness. Openness. What happens when we eat together? I want you to look at this. This is really amazing. Eating together cultivates transparency. We talk about here at Liberty, we've been talking about now for maybe the last six, eight months, that we want to be a hot church. We want to be honest, open, and transparent. Right? We want to be hot. Guess what happens? When you begin to eat with people, I don't know what it is, there is something disarming about a chicken leg. You put a chicken leg in somebody's hand, and all of a sudden they start sharing their life story with you. Have y'all noticed that? You work with somebody for years. You went to church with somebody for years. And all of a sudden you go eat. They get a chicken leg in their hand and mashed potatoes on the plate, and they're bearing their soul. It's amazing. All of a sudden when you start eating together, people open up. They start sharing their story. They start sharing their struggles. They start sharing their victories. They start sharing their heart. And all of a sudden, you begin to get an opportunity to see their heart and share their soul in a way that would never happen any other way. It's amazing. So when we gather around the table, it creates a transparency where we begin to open up and share our hearts and share our lives together. Now, the next part is probably my favorite part because the, the third letter, O, is opportunity. See, food connects us through opportunity because eating together creates opportunities to pray, listen, serve, and share, right? Because we want to bless them. We want to bless our world with Jesus Christ. So how do we bless our world? We begin with prayer. We listen with care. We eat together. We serve with love, and we share our story. Guess what happens when you eat together? Eating together, gathering around the table provides an opportunity for all of those things to happen. Because when you go out and you eat together, invite them over to your house and you eat together, however you do it, here's what happens. When you sit down to eat, you have an amazing opportunity to say, hey, would you mind if I bless the food? I'm 47 years old. I've asked that question a lot of times. And I've never shared a meal with anybody that said I would be greatly offended if you prayed. Never. I've never shared a meal with anybody that said that would be horrible. No, do not pray. Whatever you do, do not bless this food. I've never done that. 47 years of praying and blessing my food. I've never done that. So guess what happens when you eat together? Guess what happens? You have been praying for them 
And now you get to pray with them. All of a sudden, there was a shift. Now you have a new opportunity to do something you haven't had an opportunity to do. Maybe you've been praying for them for weeks, maybe months, maybe years. But when you eat together, you get an opportunity not just to pray for them. Now you get an opportunity to pray with them. And then you just be really smart. And you say, Lord, thank you for this food. And then you pray for them. Lord, and I thank you for, for John. And I just pray your blessing over him, over his family. Lord, I ask you to bless him in every way, in every form, in every fashion. And thank you for our time together today in Jesus' name. Amen. 15-second prayer. And you know what you just did? You just had an opportunity to pray with them. Why? Because you were eating together. You were eating together. Sometimes it might seem awkward to walk up to somebody and say, hey, could I pray for you? But when you sit down to eat, it automatically removes that awkwardness. And you say, hey, would you care if I bless the food? And then you bless them while you're blessing the food. Amen? And it gives you an opportunity to pray for them. It gives you an opportunity to listen. Right? Because fellowship creates openness. And all of a sudden, they start sharing your heart. And so I have to remind myself. Y'all have heard me say, Kelly says I talk a lot more than she does. And I do. And so when I go out to eat with somebody, I have to tell myself before I get there, okay, Keith, shut up and listen. you got two ears and one mouth, right? So you should listen twice as much as you speak. So just listen. And I try to speak just enough to ask enough questions to keep them talking. Now you all know my strategy. And I listen. And I just listen. And guess what happens? While you're eating there, they're opening up. They're sharing their heart. They're sharing their struggles. They're sharing their dreams. They're sharing their lives. They're telling you stuff you would never, ever know about them by just working with them or going to church with them and all of a sudden you're listening and you got an opportunity to hear their heart you got an opportunity to hear the holy spirit when they say something the holy spirit says that's it i want you to pay attention to that that's it i want you to listen to that that's the key that's the point that's the issue that's what i want you to pray about because when you listen in that opportunity, it gives you an opportunity to listen. It gives you an opportunity to serve. It gives you an opportunity to serve. Because when you get done eating, you say, hey, let me get the meal today. I'll pay for that. Let me get the coffee today. I'll pay for that. And you get an opportunity to serve them just by buying their meal or providing their meal. But it goes further than that, too. Because maybe while you're sitting there talking and you're just having a casual conversation, you're listening and they're talking, they say something like, well, man, you know what, man, my grass is really getting out of hand. Summer's on us. Spring's breaking away. And, man, my lawnmower's tore up. I don't know what I'm going to do. And before you get up to you, you say, hey, you know, I was talking, you said something about your grass. Why don't I bring my lawnmower over Saturday and we'll mow your yard? You just got an opportunity to serve them. Maybe you heard them say, hey, i got to take my car to the shop next week and get it worked on. And you've been working with them for five years. Before you get up and leave, you say, hey, you know, your car, what day are you taking your car next week? Oh, Tuesday? Well, I'll tell you what, why don't I come by and pick you up at the mechanic shop and you can ride to work with me. And I'll take you back after work to pick your car up. Guess what you just did? You just had an opportunity to serve. All because you took some time to eat together. And then last but not least, it creates an opportunity to share See, because when they're sharing their story, guess what it does? It automatically gives you permission to share your story. And they start sharing about their struggles, and you start sharing about your Christ. <laughs> and you get to share about how, yeah, man, me and my wife, we went through some hard times too, but I tell you what, 
man, we made a decision we were going to turn to the Lord. And we got in a small group at church, and it's amazing. We found out we're not the only couple that struggles. And God is helping us. And our marriage is together today because we turn to Jesus. And all of a sudden, you have an opportunity to share the story of faith of what God has and is doing in your life. All because you took the time to eat together. So food connects us through fellowship, through openness, and through opportunities. And the last one, the letter D, it connects us through divine deposits. Divine deposits. Eating together sows spiritual seeds that produce supernatural harvest. Fellowship, openness, and opportunities are divine deposits that you and I make into people's lives. When you take the time to pray for them, and you take the time to listen to them, and you take the time to go eat with them, you know what happens? You are making divine deposits into their lives. And what's crazy is most Christians are praying for a harvest. We're just not sowing seed. Right? Most of us, Lord, we want to see souls say, we want revival, God. We want to see the power of God show up. But what are you doing to produce that? What are you sowing into people's lives? What are you investing into people's lives? Do not be deceived, the scripture says. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So guess what? If you sow nothing, you reap nothing. But when we eat together, you know what happens? We make divine deposits because we're fellowshipping. There's openness. There's opportunities. And everything that we do is a divine deposit into that life. And you're sowing spiritual seeds that produces a supernatural harvest. Let me give you our last thought for today. We learn in roles, but we connect around tables. You remember going to kindergarten? Anybody remember that far back? Y'all not that old, right? Remember going to kindergarten? You walked to kindergarten classroom, and all the little desks were in rolls. You went to elementary school, and all the chairs and desks were in rolls. You went to high school, and everything's in rolls. You go to college, and everything's in rolls. You go to church, and everything's in rolls. Why? Because we learn in rolls. This is how we learn. There's a lesson. There's an object. There's a point. There's a, a topic that we need to learn about, that we need to discuss. And we learn in rolls, but we connect around tables. That's why I love small groups. Because small groups gets us around the table. It gets us out of a roll and into a circle where we start looking face to face. We need to learn, but we need to connect. And it's connection that happens around the table when we meet with people face to face. Let me give you one last scripture. It's Luke 24, where we read a while ago. It's just a few verses later where we stopped. Because when Jesus is revealed to them and then he disappears... Those two disciples make a beeline back to the other disciples, and this is what they say in verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. There's something powerful about eating together. Fellowship, openness, opportunities, and divine deposits. And when we pray for, and we listen to, and we eat with the people that we're praying to see come to know Christ, all of a sudden, supernatural things begin to happen. And we begin to see the fruit of God's glory 
as souls are saved and lives are changed. I want you just to bow your heads with me today. I want to do two things today before we close. The first thing is if you're here today and you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to do something today. I want to challenge you to be on mission. Don't let this be another sermon that you just listened to. Don't let this be another sermon. Don't let this be, oh, that was really good today. I enjoyed what Pastor Keith said. Let this be a divine assignment, a mission from God. Let this be something that settles deep in your heart. And let this be something that you go home and you're going to do something about. God, I'm going to pray for three. I'm going to pray three prayers for three people every day. And I'm going to begin to listen and I'm going to begin to eat together, God, on purpose. So that through fellowship, openness, opportunities, I can make divine deposits that will produce a supernatural harvest. I want to challenge you today as a Christian, take it serious. Let's live on mission because that's where the life of God is found. If you're bored with your Christianity, you're not following Jesus. There's nothing boring about God. And when you live every day on mission, you live every day with a purpose that energizes and electrifies our hearts and our lives. So I challenge you today, let's be mission-minded people. The second thing I want to do this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, is if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I'm not a Christian, and I've never accepted Christ. And I know that if I were to die right now, I would spend eternity separated from God because I don't know God. I know about Him, but I don't know Him. I don't know God. Oh, I know some scriptures, and maybe even I've prayed a few prayers, and I've heard some sermons and read some stories. But God is this distant figure up in heaven that I don't have a relationship with. But I want to change that today. I want to connect my heart to the heart of God. And I want to enter into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. John 17, Jesus said this, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, your Son, whom you have sent into the world. Today, you can have eternal life. You can only have eternal life through a relationship with God through His Son. And it's yours today. It's a free gift that you can have. All you got to do is accept it. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and today I want to accept the gift of eternal life, and I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to ask you to do something really simple. Just stand to your feet all over this building. Just a simple act of faith, just an act that says today, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Just stand to your feet all over this building right now. Just a simple act of faith. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Nobody's looking but God. <laughs> He's wondering, what are you going to do with my son today? What are you going to do with the gift that I gave? Are you going to reject it or are you going to accept it today? So I want to challenge you today, if you've never made that decision, today is the day of salvation. Now is your time. And if you want to pray to accept Christ, I want you just to stand. We're about to close, but this is your moment. 
If you want to stand right now, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, Father, I thank you today for your grace and your love. I thank you for calling us out and giving us a mission and a vision to live life on purpose for you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be a catalyst of change in someone else's life. And Lord, that we have been blessed to be a blessing. Empower us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more round of applause today.